All right, and welcome to Hattrick Sports Talk. Our weekly th- Friday show, excuse me, is back again. I'm here as always with Shane and Brandon. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. Brandon, you? Pretty great, Cotton. <laughs> All right, let's get started with the big news of the week. Le'Veon Bell has signed a one-year deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Brandon, I'll have you go first. Le'Veon Bell to the Chiefs. Does it make this offense even more explosive now? Uh, yeah, actually, I do. I think so. A lot of people on the media have been saying like they're a little confused about Le'Veon Bell going to the Chiefs, but I think it's actually pretty obvious why he would go to the Chiefs because he sees the Chiefs as his best option at winning a ring. Um, I think it adds another piece to that offense that let's be honest, has not exactly been explosive this year. Um, They've been good, but since the beginning of the year, I mean, the first game of the year, they were really, really good. And then every game since they've just kind of been good, you know, like they're not the like explosive type they were last year. Um, I think bringing Le'Veon Bell makes it so that now on third downs, I don't think he's, he's definitely not gonna be a three down back, but I think, He'll be brought in as a third down or a goal line back. Um, and I think, honestly, that's perfect for him because he, he's still he's still an explosive runner. He still has the ability to <clears throat> break tackles. Um, and he also brings something that not a lot of running backs in the league are very good at, which is catching the ball uh, as a pass back, pass catching back. Um, mm. So I think he really does bring another level of of uh difficulty for that um offense yeah so uh let's talk about that piece too because i do feel i want to make a couple of comparisons here uh one in terms of clyde edwards elaire and Le'Veon, i really feel that like at least in terms of prototype they're very similar as they are both receiving backs but also two does this feel a little bit like kareem hunt and uh and Nick Chubb when they're both healthy. Uh, is that maybe a fair comparison to how they might use both of them in this offense? Shane, I'll let you go. Um, yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't think that they're on the level of Chubb and Hunt. I think they're uh, much better. Uh, you know, Le'Veon still has the ability to be good. He's just a little bit past his prime and, um, Elaire is obviously still developing, but it, um, you know, it is inter- interesting because I, I feel like, um, you know, this is a good spot for him, for Bell. Um, but I would love this so much more if Le'Veon was, you know, like a really good runner between the tackles or, a, you know, like a power back or whatever, because Elaire is obviously such a great receiving back. And so it would just be a great one-two punch, but, um, but that isn't exactly the case, but, you know, regardless, I think it's, it does add depth for sure, because now, you know, it's very obvious that the Chiefs drafted um, Elaire to be a receiving back while, um, uh, what's his name, Williams, Mm -hmm. who isn't playing this year is more, you know, just their runner. Mm -hmm. And so, 
I feel like Le'Veon will probably fill more of that role with running, and then they can really just use Elair as you know more of a receiving back. But um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, this could go many ways, but I, I think it's a you know I, I think it's a good fit for him, and I I do think it's a good addition for them at the end of the day. I'm, we're not sure yet, and we're not going to know until next weekend about how they're actually going to sort of adjust the roles between both Elair and Bell. But I will say that in terms of you know getting more firepower, it's a it's a it's a great thing for this Chiefs offense. Of course, I you know I don't know how we view Le'Veon Bell after his time with the Jets. Obviously, it wasn't that great, but you know he's coming into an interesting position where. I feel like he wanted a bigger role with the Jets. He wanted sort of that number one running back role. I never really got that with this offense. Obviously, there's a multitude of reasons. Darnold has regressed in so many ways. The offensive line has been terrible. This offensive line is obviously much better. This organization is much better. But he's coming into an interesting role in that more than likely, let's not overreact here, more than likely, I think Alaire is going to be the number one back for most, if not all, the year. So he, he is coming, he is coming into a position where he is the quintessential backup running back, which is much different than what he's used to. And obviously trying to win a title on a one-year deal, try to sort of revitalize your career and get a bigger deal next year. That's fine. Uh, but he's still going to have to adjust that role over time. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, because like we have been saying, they are very similar um and so you know i think that they would give elair more playing time just because he is <clears throat> younger and developing mm-hmm. and he's definitely more of the future for that team um whereas Le'Veon, who you know i think could still be good he hasn't been great recently but i think it's i don't think it's entirely his fault because of the Jets organization, just how crappy that team is in general doesn't help him. But, you know, I think, um, I think he'll be, you know, like a, it's sort of like a, you know, like a Carlos Hyde or a Kareem Hunt, you know, where it's like, he's not the starter, but he gets quite a few touches just to, yeah you know, balance things out and, you know, have more options of attack, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Um, I traded for Clyde Edwards Hilaire on Monday. Let's get to some of those <laughs> fantasy trades that uh, we had this week. We had an intense week of trading. Uh, I'm someone who very clearly is trying to push the trade market as much as I can. as I think it's a really fun way to just enjoy the league and, and add more fun to it. Uh, but let's first talk about this trade. Uh, uh, I got Clyde Edwards Hilaire um, from Mason and I traded him Amari Cooper. How does that trade look now that Le'Veon Bell is in the mix? I think it looks okay because I mean, it's tough to tell right now because you know, both Elair and Cooper have been greatly affected by something that's happened in the last week. Of course, one thing being Andy Dalton now starting for Dallas, 
we'll have to see how that goes. I think he'll be fine. Um, I mean, I don't think Andy Dalton's all that bad. Um, you know, he's not amazing, but you know, I, I think he'll do the job. Um, and then, you know, of course with Elaire, we'll have to see how much playing time he has now that bells in the building. So, um, looking at that trade now, it's tough to say because I just need to see how they do for a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Brandon, do you feel the same way about this trade? Yeah. Um, I'd say the same thing. I think players, common players go. And I think in fantasy, you make decisions and you kind of have to stick with them. Right. Well, hundred percent. But sometimes you end up getting lucky and you trade someone off. And then the very next week they end up getting hurt. So, yeah. (laughs) And uh, speaking of fantasy, some breaking news. Uh, Deontay Johnson has been ruled out for Sunday versus Jeez. the Browns. So Claypool's going to get Claypool is in. Yes. And you picked so... up Chase Claypool this week. Uh, Claypool is our fantasy star MVP for Sunday. We didn't release our fantasy star MVP. So for Sunday, he's our MVP. We'll go for the rest of the Monday and Tuesday MVPs as well in a bit. Yeah. Claypool is definitely going to get upgraded into, I would say wide receiver two territory still. Um, as I'm not sure what we'll see in terms of if he'll expand on the role that he had last week, it's still kind of hard to tell. Uh, but for me, I, I put him at wide receiver two status right now, which is pretty good. Um, and then Brandon, we also had a trade later that day as well. I traded away Justin Herbert. You're not always too happy with uh Watson, so I figured you might be interested in Herbert. And I picked up Preston Williams, who's a nice streaming option against the Jets. And a pretty good long-term option, potentially a receiver. But uh, what are your thoughts on this deal? About our deal? Yes. Uh, I think our deal was very fair. Um, I think I was. I have a bounty of uh, wide receiver talent on my team, and uh, I was looking for a backup quarterback uh, after the Dak pickup didn't go the way I thought it would. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I'm pretty happy with I it. I still you know? feel terrible about that. <laughs> we about did Dak. talk about that Dak trade last week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then let's go to the Alvin Kamara saga that was yesterday. This was pretty fun. Ultimately, it was fun to interact with everyone in the league and, and uh, give everyone's opinions or at least, you know, some people in the league and, and talk through some of these deals as they were very interesting. Um, so on Thursday, I hit up our guy Tanner asking about Alvin Kamara. Now, Alvin Kamara's value is extremely high. Uh, his value is a number one overall player right now for the rest of the year. Um, and so I gave up Tyler Boyd and George and George Kittle, and he gave me Darren Waller and Alvin Kamara. And this was vetoed. Uh, Brandon, you thought the trade was pretty fair. So I'll start with you there. Uh, did you disagree with the veto power here? So, so here's my thing. I thought the deal as it was, was fair. I would have just, um, originally I would have taken out 
probably I re- I would have replaced Ty- who you were training Tyler Boyd. Something mm. like put someone different in, instead of Tyler Boyd because I think Kittle is like fair. I mean, I don't as we've talked about his he's obviously going to decrease in in potential. Um Due but to I feel like situation, yeah. I feel like you needed to put in like one, like a bigger name, you know. Yeah, and I know you. I know you suggested Michael Thomas, um, which, which would have been hard. I think that would have been hard for me to do. Um, but like that would have been what you would have had to do for that to be a to go through, you know. And even and even then, like I have to realize that I am CMC here, um, yeah. and I and so with CMC. I'll be honest, he's fairly untouchable. I told Paul earlier in the week that he's untouchable. The only two guys that I would even remotely consider giving up CMC for was Alvin Kamara and Zeke Elliott at this point, which is extremely high value. Again, I paid a very high premium for CMC, so he's pretty much untouchable at this point. So the fact that I had CMC makes this trade interesting because he didn't want CMC at all, which I which I thought that's part of the reason the trade didn't go through. I think part of the reason is because he didn't want CMC Kittle's value, at least from overall ranks is exponentially lower. And then on top of that, I feel like I can't give up MT because if I give up MT, I don't have a wide receiver one, you know? Yeah. Two, two RB ones is excellent, but realistically, Considering how the league looks right now, you do need an RB1 and a wide receiver one to be successful in this league. Yeah. I think. I don't think two are like if you have a wide receiver one and you can get two RB1s, all the power to you. I was trying to do that with CEH. But to be honest, in this league, how it's balanced out, I can't give up MT, even though the value for Kamara is amazing. I need a I need a wide receiver one in order to win this league. That's just the reality. Shane, your thoughts on the veto? I think, um, yeah, I I don't think it was um, a super fair deal for uh, for Tanner. I mean, you know, because <clears throat> yeah, Kittle, you know, Kittle has good value, obviously, but. I mean, I worry about him because he's been, you know, inconsistent to say the least this year, just because of the quarterback situation. So, um, I mean, you don't, I mean, who knows, you know, how he's going to do week to week. And then, you know, I, like Brandon said, I feel like if you had another big name at like Thomas, you know, that would have worked. But I, at that point, I don't think it's worth it for you, you know? So do you think for the reasons that I've outlined, it makes sense why Thomas would have been hard for me, even though the value of Kamara is exponentially higher still. Right. Because I mean, you have Cause I mean, you still have, like you said, you still have Christian McCaffrey. <clears throat> so that's, I mean, that's, that's a lot of, you know, when, <clears throat> when he's healthy, which he will be any week now, um, you know, that that's, I mean, that's incredible value right there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think you, I wouldn't say it's a good idea to, to try and trade him away. Um, so, 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, and but... the major thing here for me too is my running back depth, which is why I didn't really go back to the table here because I have James Robinson. I picked up Elair. I have David Montgomery, who has a potential to be an RB1 considering his schedule the rest of the year, and Christian McCaffrey. And also, I traded and got Justin Jackson from you, Shane, as well, which would be helpful for the next few weeks. I have pretty good running back depth on top of that, too. So it, And I, I have receiver depth, but I'd rather have a receiver one if I have a running back one, too, still, you know, so... At the end of the day, at the end of the day, I got why this was vetoed. Uh, if I'm looking at it from a commissioner standpoint, and obviously this is my trade, but obviously integrity of the league is very important, uh, especially when you're looking at it from a commissioner standpoint. Uh, so I didn't look at it originally as a complete fleece or a veto type fleece. I really didn't feel that was the case when we made the deal. And that's why I made the deal originally. But if you're looking at it, uh, from an outside viewer, from other people's perspectives in the league, I understand Paul made a really good argument that Kittle's values, we talked about, as Brandon has mentioned, will go down. I mean, I, the fact that he wanted Kittle was a bit concerning because, again, tight end is too volatile. Like, I wish I didn't have to put Waller in this deal, but I had to because the options weren't there. There's no other tight end options left in the league. It's just the reality of the league. So, I mean... I honestly, I wish I could have just given up Kittle and not gone a tight end back. Like I would have done this deal if it was just maybe someone else for Boyd and Kittle. And I just got Kamara back, but I really needed Waller to make it work. Cause tight end is just unbelievably bad right now. Um, yeah. So I think there were just so many factors as to why the deal just didn't ultimately go through uh, from a commissioner standpoint. Um, I totally got everyone's opinion and uh I think the executive decision to veto was the smart move there. Um, but Alvin Kamara did get moved. Uh, props to Paul. This is why he's one of the best players um, that I play with and one of the people I really love to play with. Him and his brother do a fantastic job in terms of trading and, and trying to make their team better. Now, yes, his record isn't phenomenal, uh, but the fact that he got a running back in Alvin Kamara, we were, we were negotiating CMC uh, for DeAndre Hopkins. He really wanted to move Hopkins for a top running back, and he did that here in what I would argue is a much more fair deal. Shane, uh, speak on this trade here. Yeah, I um, you know, I think they both, I think they both gained something with this one. Um, you, you know, I <clears throat> obviously Kamara is uh, a huge pickup for Paul. Um, and Edelman is, you know, he's good. Um, Needs Cam to be productive, let's be honest. That's the thing, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, he, I think he's good nevertheless. And then, you know, Tanner in return, getting D-hop. Um, that's obviously fantastic. Uh, but Daryl Henderson, I don't know about that part because – now that Cam Akers is coming back, is he going to have less playing time? Um, I don't know. I worry about that, but um, you know, I think I think Paul definitely wins this deal easily. Um, but you know, I think I mean I, I think Tanner does get something out of it. You know, with D-Hop being such a productive receiver. Yeah, he's the number one overall receiver in fantasy right now. 
Yeah. Um, Brandon, your thoughts on this deal before we move on? Yeah. Uh, I think it's basically, I, I see it as a balanced deal because it's like top running back. You're swapping a top running back for a top wide receiver. And then like, you're basically doing the same thing with the, with the running back for wide receiver in like a middle end middle range um, running back for a middle range wide receiver. So I think it's one of the more fair deals out there. Yeah, for sure. I would agree. I think uh, it was smart on Paul to jump on this, especially considering he a, a, a running back again. I'm still honestly, ultimately very surprised that Camara was available. Um, it's, you know, honestly, it's, it's funny how fantasy works, but you can negotiate deals, man. You can, you can really negotiate for almost anybody. Uh, I think that uh, this trade proves it. I, I think Camara uh, proves that you can really negotiate for anybody. Uh, it's just about how fair is the deal to the rest of the league and for yourself as well, ultimately. Yeah. Um, and then our fantasy star MVPs for week five, we didn't announce them earlier in the week. Uh, so for Sunday, it is obviously Chase Claypool with 42.6 points. Monday, Mike Williams, 27.9. We'll see what happens with Mike Williams. He's kind of been up and down, uh, but hopefully he stays healthy uh, for Justin Herbert. And then A.J. Brown, who I luckily kept on this team when he had a pretty good buy low option. Uh, he is now he, he is now kind of back in the fold, still dealing with the injury a bit, but is back in the fold with uh, 21.2 points on Tuesday. Um, let's get through the week six schedule. A lot of fun games here. It is weird not having Thursday night football. I'll be honest. It is quite strange. Yeah, it kind of was. To not have it, of course, with the Tuesday games, um, that ended up happening. All right, here is our schedule. Uh, we'll start with the 10 o'clock slate, which is much smaller. Well, the one o'clock slate is pretty small. So we'll go through both one o'clock games. Uh, but Brandon, I'll go with you first. A ten o'clock game you're looking forward to. It's quite simple, really. Uh, Brown Steelers. Yep. I want to see that fighting. I want to see them. I want to see that war. I want to see. I want to see the beef, as they used to say for Wendy's. Where's the beef? Um, no, but actually, yes, Arby's. But either way, whatever. But yeah. no, seriously. Um, silly. The diff- yeah, uh, the difference is this year. Uh, both these, unlike last year, both these teams are actually good. Um, and you know, I think the Steelers will have no love lost. Um, and I'm expecting the referees to be throwing flags left and right, because, you know, even if they get close to a fight, the refs are going to be like, you're out of here. Yeah. So Shane, if the Browns win this game, even if it's by, let's say a field goal, do we look at the Browns differently if they win this game or no? Uh, I do <laughs> without a doubt. I mean, I don't know if that's the case for everybody, but um, yeah, I mean, this, you know, we've always, at least you and I, Robert, and I think Brandon too, you know, this year we've kind of looked at the, at the, not the Cowboys, 
at the Browns as, you know, a Cowboys kind of team where they beat, you know, bad teams, but then struggle against good teams. Um, Pittsburgh, however, I think is a legitimate team. I think they're actually really competitive against anybody, regardless of, you know, their record, whatever. And so, you know, if Cleveland can win, then I think we'll look at this and go, well, actually, maybe they are, you know, a legitimate, not maybe, they are a legitimate team. They're not just, you know, they're not like a Dallas, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I mean, I do still worry about their defense, without a doubt, uh, especially the secondary. And I do worry about Baker's production, but, you know, I think that we're seeing that uh, Stefanski is a good fit for this, for this team because, you know, they finally have an adult <laughs> as a coach. <laughs> um, and that's the right way to put it, by the way, an yeah. adult as a coach. That's correct. Yeah, seriously. Um, and so, um, yeah, and I think he, it, you know, it, it Baker, even if he isn't better, he just looks better. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he of, is better. I think Stefanski is helping him open up the playbook and open up this right. o- offense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't see Cleveland winning, um, but you know, it's a division rivalry. Crazy things will happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is a, you know, especially, I mean, this has always been a, you know, a good rivalry division, obviously, but, um, but especially now that after what happened last year and now that these teams are both good, I think this is going to be a classic rivalry for the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. A couple of other ones to look out for here. Um, Broncos Patriots, of course, uh, being shift from last week, the Patriots do have another positive COVID test. We'll see what happens with this game moving forward. Uh, but if it does play on Sunday, it should be interesting to see how the schedule changes um, do affect these two teams. Uh, Ravens Eagles should be fun. How does Carson Wentz look against these guys? Falcons Vikings should be interesting as Julio is now confirmed to be playing on Sunday. So to see him uh, kind of back in the fold, hopefully a bit healthier should be fun. Um, and that's kind of it. Uh, Bengals Joe Burrow up against a pretty good Colts defense. Uh, should be fun. But let's get to the one o'clock games. Shane, I'll start with you with the Packers and the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, this is the one that you know most of us are looking at. I mean, it's you know, Jeff Jets, Dolphins, and yeah, whatever. Um, that should be a pretty easy win for Miami, but um, yeah, Packers, Packers, Bucks, um, Rogers, Brady. Yeah, that's that's fun. Um, you know, this is, um, this is interesting because this is, you know, at least to me, Green Bay hasn't had a really hard challenge yet. Um, not that the Buccaneers are that great, obviously, but you know, I mean, you look at Green Bay, they've been playing, you know, Atlanta, uh, <laughs> Detroit, Minnesota, you know what I mean? Um, so Minnesota when they were bad, by the way. Um, so 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I, you know, I do think that uh, Green Bay wins. However, um, I want to see how their defense, who has impressed so far um, more than I was expecting it to at least, you know, I want to see how they can do against this offense that has uh, so many good pieces to it. And, you know, then on the other side, I mean, you know, just, I just want to see if, if Green Bay's offense continues to be very, very high end productive um, as it has been uh, throughout the year. And if that kind of high octane energy just continues even after the buy and everything. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, Brandon, I'll actually go to you with the Jets-Dolphins game as you have taken Ryan Fitzpatrick excuse me, high in our quarterback draft. That actually kind of seems to be paying off this year for some reason. Fitzpatrick has looked good for this <laughs> Dolphins team. What do you mean for some reason? I mean, the man... The man's a better a better quarterback than people give him credit for. Um, no, I agree with that. His throwing motion is good. I mean, he's 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 been in the league for a long time, and there's a reason for that. I mean, look, he's Harvard educated. Yeah, exactly. No one's saying that like this team is going to be like a playoff bound team, but at the same time, could they? I mean, they're in a division with a okay uh, Patriots team. Well, we don't a know terrible, fully about the Patriots. A, a terrible right now. Jets team. Uh, who else? Um, the Bills. The Bills, who are good, and that's it. Yeah. Um. The Dolphins, as a team, look okay. Look pretty good, but they. I think it'll be in a couple years. They'll be really good. Yes, I, I agree. could see them. I could see them being the division leaders in the future. However, um, this week, I think they're going to absolutely trounce the Jets, um, both defensively and offensively. Um, Look, if you just look at what the Dolphins did in between with only the Seahawks in between them, they kick the crap out of the Jaguars, and then they kick the crap out of the 49ers. This is a team that against bad defenses goes ham Mm -hmm. on offense. So Uh, that's, yeah. At least from a fantasy perspective, uh, every every year we have a team that has a rule, and this year it's the Jets, and what's the rule? If you have – If it's the the Jets, you play them. If you play against the Jets, you you play everybody. Um, Yes. Exactly. And that's just that's just the reality here, especially with the Dolphins as we're talking about their deep passing game with Preston Williams uh, and Devontae Parker. Um, and then Shane Joe Flacco once again should be fun to see that. Uh, you even picked him up in fantasy as a joke. Yes, sir. Um, what do you mean it was a joke? You wanted him? What, I got the goat on my team? Why wouldn't I? God. All right, let's talk about this uh, Rams-Niners matchup. I want to deep dive on the Rams a little bit. Uh, Shane, I'll go, with, I'll go with you first. What are the LA Rams in 2020? <laughs> um, 
you know, I think this is what it is. They, I think last year they kind of faced the fallout of all their, uh, you know, salary cap issues and whatever else. And um, now they are, I mean, not that they were even that bad last year. I mean, they were nine and seven. They, I mean, if they hadn't missed that field goal on Thursday night football, they would have been 10 and six. You know what I mean? So they like, they weren't bad by any means, but I think we, or I myself was just sort of sleeping on them because I figured that they were just going to continue to go down and down. However, now I'm sitting here realizing, oh wait, they still have Sean McVay, who is an incredibly creative coach, especially offensively. And, you know, they still have good receiver depth, great receiver depth at that. Um, a few really solid running backs. Now they don't have Gurley, but I mean, he was hurt a lot. He was kind of inconsistent. They thought, you know what? That's okay. We can get Akers, Henderson. They're good. And I think you're just starting to see that McVay is adapting and he is still creative and he can still win even when he doesn't have, you know, Gurley and all these all-stars, you know, because he doesn't need that necessarily. Here's the thing, Shane. Okay. The Rams have only played the NFC East. That's also true. They play the NFC East and the Bills, and their one loss came for the Bills. They almost beat the Bills, though. They were up okay, by a cool. lot against the Bills. They, they, but they got they, – that's my point, though. They almost beat the Bills. They didn't beat the Bills. They've only won against shitty NFC East teams. Well, True. here's what I'm going to say, though. The thing that I think limits them is the fact that they don't have, you know, some all-star team. In the end, I don't think that they will end up being, you know, some great team because that does limit them inevitably, right? Yeah. What I'm saying is I just – is it just this season is saying a lot about McVay because of his ability to adapt and continue to, yeah. you know, do mm-hmm. well. Um, and however, they are limited by Goff, I think. Uh, I, I mean, I think he's the worst quarterback in the division. Probably, yeah. Um, and you know, I, I mean, defensively, you know, they look fine. Uh, they're pretty good, actually, all things considered. Um, obviously, their defensive line and their secondary are uh, both pretty good. Uh, but I. You know, I, I do think that, I mean, I could very easily see them ending up, you know, like 10 and 6 mm-hmm. uh, just after the way that they've started the season. Um, but I do think that they, you know, I, I do, like Brandon was saying, though, I do, you know, I do want to see them kind of face, you know, some real opponents, especially in their own division, because the NFC West is such a crazy and competitive division. Mm-hmm. And so, 
you know, even though the 49ers are all banged up and not doing well, this should be an interesting game. Because, uh, I mean, it could go anyway, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I look at the Rams this year, and I know we, we kind of had some strange expectations with them. And I even felt in the back of my mind as we were previewing them the offseason that, that I don't know, I, I still felt that they had talent around them. I still felt McVay can sort of do something with this offense. And I think you're right, Shane. I think the biggest word is adapting. Uh, I think that the fact that McVay sort of adapted this offense, running back by committee actually works better for this team. Um, I, I, I really think that the Rams look good. Now, again, I think you're right. I think there's a ceiling to this team. I just don't know what it is yet. Uh, I think 10 and 6, 9 and 7 might be that ceiling, but I just don't know. I have to, again, I think, I think you're right, Brandon, as well, that we have to see how they play against better teams uh, and Shane as well. But I, yeah, at least for right now, I am pleasantly surprised by how they're playing. And, and I think it's going to continue against the Niners. And, 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 and again, on paper, this looks like a pretty bad Sunday night football matchup. But if you know anything about the NFC West, especially on Sunday night, uh, these games can get crazy. Yep. Um, and then Monday, uh, the game that was supposed to be on Thursday, the Chiefs and the Bills. Brandon, you and I both had this game on pretty much the top of our list when we looked at or uh, when we had our schedule preview show. Is this still a game you're extremely excited for? Um, I think I have a little bit less of an interest. Um. Only because I think both the teams have been slightly less um, impressive than I thought they would be. Not to say they're bad. They're just like something about it that I can't really put my finger on it. Like, I'm sure it'll be a great game, you know. Um, But I think after seeing the Bills just get trounced by the Titans... Hmm. I mean, yeah. Uh, Shane, does that one game against the Titans really change how you feel about the Bills that much? I mean, it was just one. Yeah, it was the ball, but it was one game on a Tuesday night, obviously, with the schedule change. Does it really change your perspective on them right now? Because I I don't know if I'm ready to overreact just because of one blowout. No, it doesn't. I mean, a a little bit, but not. Not really in the in the grand scheme of things. I think I think they still win this division easily, um, and you know I, I think they are still a top three seed in the AFC, probably three or four seed. Um, well, obviously they would be if they won the division. But anyways, um, <clears throat> I should say a top three or four record. Um, but yeah, anyways, I mean the team that I really changed my opinion on though, is the Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought that they were good going into the year. I just was worried that they were a little limited at, you know, offensively in, in terms of the passing game. But now after the first few games and after uh, that game on Tuesday night, um, I can now see that I don't believe (laughs) they really are as limited as we may have thought or at least i thought um 
I think this team is quite dangerous, <laughs> to be honest. And uh, yeah, I I think this team is probably maybe the best team in the AFC. Maybe. You know, here's um, the here's the deal with the Titans. This division was weird. You know, we we went. I don't remember. Did I have the Titans winning the division? You had the Texans. I had the Texans winning the division. <laughs> you know, look in the back of my mind, I thought the Titans would be good. Um, I still had some, you know, tighten up belief. So, if if you will, uh, with the Titans, I, I thought bringing back Tannehill had a chance. There's a chance Tannehill could have regressed a little bit, but I wasn't too worried. I think right now those opinions in the back of my head need to go to the front of my head uh, because, yeah, this Titans team doesn't have too many problems, and Tannehill doesn't look like a game manager. He looks like a legit quarterback, and we saw it in the playoffs. We saw it towards the end of last year. I don't know. Tannehill's career looks revitalized, obviously, with no Adam Gase handling his offensive production. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. Uh, everyone uh, that leaves Definitely Adam Gase. there. Yeah, <laughs> everyone that leaves Adam Gase or other than Peyton Manning uh, seems to be in a diff or seems to be in a better spot at this point. Um, but no, I, I, I yeah, I, I think everything that I thought in the back of my head after the Titans amazing season last year uh, needs to go to the front of my head. Brandon, your thoughts on Tennessee right now. So um, I believe the Titans benefited from. A long break. You think they benefited from the fact that they were off for two weeks? I did. Because, as we know, they were practicing together. When they shouldn't when have. they weren't supposed to be. Yeah, so, up the schedule for everybody. they basically got a long-ass bye, got to practice, and didn't get punished. If I'm a Bills fan, I'm pissed off right now. The thing Just is, though, saying. I will say this. I do agree with you. However, you know, if it were like a close game and the Titans won, then I would, I would think, yeah, okay, they definitely benefited from that. And they did. However, I mean, this game was not even close. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the Bills looked like a high school team. Right, but that's my so, point. Like the the Bills have been playing game after game after game. No, I know, but I just think I just I think, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I just Tennessee, feel like yes, Tennessee I, benefited from the time off. However, the fact that they won with that big of a lead just goes to show that they are just a good team. Right, I'm not saying they're, they're not a good. Team, I'm not you know? saying they're not a good team, but like, right. I, don't I know, know what you mean. I don't know. I'm just. But you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I guess that a lot. Shane, Shane, let me ask you this question: As someone who uh, is, you know, coaching on a high school staff, obviously it's a it's a lot different at the NFL level. But what what if you had, you know, you're in let's say week four, week five of a season, and and they say, oh, you have to take two weeks off, uh, and then come back. Do you think that's an actual advantage for these teams? I mean, I, I don't see it as that much of an advantage. I really, in fact, I see it more as a disadvantage for a football team. It, Do you agree? There's pros and cons to it. You know, because you, 
when you have extra time off, yeah, you can, you, you know, you get more time to rest, uh, more time to recover. And then of course, more time to practice and prepare for your next opponent. But let's say you don't get that. Cause I mean, they didn't, I mean, they did have the practices, but you know, a lot of it was virtual. That was a very, it was right. a pretty big group of people who said let's practice, but realistically speaking, it wasn't everybody. So let's say you're in this situation where you're doing what we're doing now on zoom, analyzing plays on zoom and stuff like that. Imagine if you had to right. deal with all of that on top of it, is it really that much of an advantage? Well, that's the thing with the advantage to not having time off is that you're still playing. You're still in the groove. You know what I mean? You're, you're still getting out of there, putting the pads on, going out on Friday night or Sunday, whatever it is. And that's, you know, that rhythm, that constant, you know, engagement in an actual game. That's what, you know, keeps your skill up. You know what I mean? It's different for the pros because they, because they have, how do I say this? They, they don't, they don't always need an actual game experience because uh, sorry I was going to sneeze <laughs> because um, um, no I lost my train of thought because they you know in the pros they know how to tackle they know what it feels like to get hit whatever however when you're younger you know it's that's a skill you always have to be practically keeping up on you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, um, you know, for pros, I mean, I, I think it it is a bit of a benefit because, you know, the guys that you're getting hit by are so much bigger and so much stronger that if you can have another week off just to let your body recover, that is fantastic. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, and then, you know, you can still, you know, like you said, just do stuff virtually learning you know game plans whatever um so for for pros i do think it's more of an advantage but for like high school or college i would say it's more of a disadvantage mm -hmm. that makes sense uh brandon let's i'll have you preview the last game of the week the cardinals and the cowboys how do the cowboys look with Andy dalton at the helm for pretty much the rest of the year I think I just, so the way I describe Andy Dalton is the definition of eight and eight, just kind of meh. Um, I think he'll be able to lead them. I mean, he's a decent starting quarterback, but I don't see how successful the Cowboys are going to be this year. Um, I do see them having the possibility of winning this game as the Cardinals have not exactly been stellar. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the Cardinals will win. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I feel with Andy Dalton that you're right. I think eight and eight, but we said eight and eight for the Cowboys anyway. Um, so I don't know how much this really changes how we feel about the Cowboys just as a whole, considering their defense as well. See, the thing is, I don't. This is a hot take. 
really hot. We're going to turn on the stove for this one. <laughs> I I don't think Dalton is really that much worse than Dak Prescott, if at all. I mean, I think they're about the same, to be completely honest with you. Didn't you think that when Andy Dalton was a, uh, was in, was a Bengal as well? I might have. Because if you look at Dalton last year, yeah, he looked bad. But look at the Bengals. Okay, they suck. I mean, Burroughs they actually made that terrible. team look pretty good offensively, though. Like, they were terrible. Well, yeah, I mean, Burrow, it's Burrow. He, he's right. pretty good. Um, but even he can barely win. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, this is the, organi- the, the, the offense on that team is just horrible. But, you know, back in from like 2010 to about 20 I don't know 16 when 15 16 when the Bengals offense was actually not too bad Dalton hmm. was throwing 30 35 touchdowns a year winning 10 11 games and that was in a not so great organization so you know, in fact, if you look at Dalton's career numbers compared to Dak's in terms of where Dak is right now, Dalton is actually better. So, you know, if you give Dalton time to have this team rally around him and really get comfortable with it, using all the weapons they have, I think he would do about the job Dak, would, Dak has been doing. Not quite as much because he, you know, he is past his prime. Ultimately, he's not, you know, he's not as good as he once was. That much is clear. But the problem with the Cowboys is not Dak or Dalton or whatever. It's ultimately is more of a defensive thing. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, so are so you're saying on Monday night, don't overreact to Dalton. Just wait a few weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you should – because this – I mean, you know, the Cowboys have been used to Dak as, like, their franchise guy, even if they didn't know how long he'd be around since, like, 2016. So they've just been used to him, accustomed to him and the way he plays. So then when you disrupt that and you have this new guy in there midway through the season, especially after your quarterback, the guy that the team loves – who had just a, a gruesome injury, an injury, you know, it's going to be a little weird at first, mm-hmm. you know, just because it's, it's, it's new. It's not, you know, it's not what they're used to. So yeah, I think if you, you know, if he's not, a, I don't expect him to be amazing right away um, because of that. But after a couple of games, once they start getting more, in a rhythm with him, I think we could start seeing him be much more effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to some baseball. Pretty interesting uh, ALCS and NLCS. Uh, Brandon, any thoughts on these two series so far in your mind? I mean, and in the Braves uh, beating the Dodgers three to one right now has definitely been a massive surprise for everybody, I think. Yeah, that's a pretty big surprise. Um, I think it's really great because I think it'll be cool. it'd be awesome if we could get like a, an original 
World Series. Uh, I would love to have the Rays versus the Braves because I think that I think both teams really deserve it, and I think both teams are actually really good. Um, I think it would be yet again, and I think this is the only chance where we'll actually get Rays versus the Braves. And I think if we get Rays versus the Braves, it'll be a solid message of this is why you should do the extended new uh, playoff system. Because mm-hmm. you have those teams that are good enough to make it in, make it in, give them a chance to win, you know? Um, especially in baseball, where once you're in, it's a whole new, excuse the pun, ball game. It is. Um, it is. Now, um, I think this series has exposed the um, uh, Dodgers as a team that is not quite as deep as people thought they were. Mm-hmm. Um, they do really well in the regular season because they play a bunch of schmucks in their division. Hmm. But when they get to the playoffs, look what happens. See, at this least is... this. At least this year. See, see, this so. is one of the interesting things about these high-powered teams with a lot of talent. You know. I don't know the maybe Red Sox exception the last few years, but a lot of these teams with firepower, like the Yankees or the Dodgers. I mean, yeah, they've won. I, I guess you could put the Red Sox in there, even though you know they have won won chips in the past few years. But realistically, sometimes the the firepower, if you will, these top teams, they they do have these moments in the playoffs where they just sort of struggle. I mean, and and they're not really that that top tier team that we thought, I think Brandon's right. Really the playoffs are, or the postseason, I should say is, is really a brand new ball game where anything kind of happen. Uh, but uh, Shane, your thoughts on, on kind of where the Dodgers are at here in this series, even after a good game. Uh, what was it last night? Well, I think, I think a big reason why we see this in the playoffs or just in baseball in general with these great teams is because, and this is an issue I've brought up with baseball many, many, many times because baseball has no limit for how much money a guy can get. <laughs> I mean, they do, they have different and budgets, so, but like the Dodgers have a well, bigger budget than like, yeah, but you can spend whatever you want. Right. So you get a team with a bunch of guys, you pay them tons of money tons and tons of money and they're like for a bunch of years too mm-hmm. they're like oh cool all right i'm good and then they just kind of you know show up play their game whatever they, they you know and they're like oh i actually need to win uh yeah you might think i'm crazy but that's a real thing when you get i mean you just look at these guys in baseball who are these really good rising stars and then the second they get their big contract worth 200 million dollars they're like yeah whatever and it's just it, – it, this has become very clear this year <laughs> more than anything because, like Brennan said, you know, just look at these teams that are full of big star talents or whatever, and they haven't really shown up in the playoffs. Um, I think – the biggest surprise, though, is definitely the Astros making it to the ALCS um, without cheating. Um, I honestly can't believe that. <laughs> they, 
Um, uh, so here's the thing with the Astros. The Astros have been worse this year. That's very clear. Brandon's made that argument many times. But again, <laughs> this again goes back to why the heck did they cheat in the first place? This team's good enough to win a World Series without cheating. <laughs> They probably would have won the World Series in 2017, probably without cheating. They had talent on that team. And I think this postseason kind of shows. They did barely win that series, but the Dodgers would have won that series. I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe. But again, like, I I feel that they still would have been competitive, or, or I still feel like they would have won it without cheating. Now, that doesn't. That doesn't accentuate the fact that, yes, they did cheat. They should have gotten their title stripped, all this stuff. But, hey, they made it to the ALCS presumably without cheating. I, again, it just show, it's just the hypocrisy of why they cheat in the first place. Ultimately well, for me. you know, when we had our interview with Don, he was saying that, you know, it, it, there are lots of rules and regulations teams have to follow now or things they can and cannot do. So it's pretty hard to cheat now in the mm-hmm. way that they did. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but, you know, I, I, I mean, it's just funny that they, I mean, they, you know, if it weren't for this expanded playoff format, they wouldn't have gotten in, uh, which isn't to say that I don't like it. I do absolutely like the new playoff, having more teams in, but, um, you know, and then I was thinking that they would lose their first series probably. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, it's, it's just three games, whatever. You know, they'll lose now, though. No, they won again. <laughs> now I'm like sitting here looking at them down three and two, and I'm thinking, you just have to win two games, and they're in the World Series. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, Brandon, will that affect how not only you, but other people who maybe aren't as big into baseball look at? this world series in 2020 if the astros find their way in um if the astros find their way in it'll be a whole bunch of bullshit but um you know i mean assumingly they didn't assumingly they're not cheating this year who knows Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It'd be a real shame if they won because it basically would be like, oh, you can cheat and nothing ever happens. Uh-huh. And then we didn't so, cheat and we won. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, I I nope. personally I personally feel that the Rays are gonna end it tonight. Yeah, I I really love the Rays this year. They've been my most impressive team in the playoffs. They're extremely fun to watch. They don't necessarily have the most big name players, but they do have a lot of hard hitters that can hit home runs, and and they're just a really fun team to watch overall. I really love the Rays this year. Um, you know, it would be really funny is if the Dodgers and Astros made it to the World Series, and the Dodgers just won like four zero. Just absolutely that'd be really good. Them. That'd be really that'd, funny. That'd yeah, that'd be, be pretty hilarious. good. Um. All right, let's move on to some NBA news. Uh, we got some uh, shifting and moving in the front office world. Um, so Ty Lu was the assistant coach of the Clippers last season. He's now the head coach of the Clippers. And Chauncey Billups, the former Clipper, uh, 
is now his top assistant coach. I have an issue with this. And it goes back to why did you fire Doc Rivers in the first place? This is so lateral. It does nothing. It's actually backwards. It's not even lateral. It's backwards? Why is it backwards in your mind? Ty Lue. What? Why is it backwards, though? Um, it's just because Ty Lue to Doc Rivers? I mean, yeah, I think you fought. Why do you fire Doc Rivers? Be bringing Ty Lue, like. The biggest problem that I, I have, have, I don't, I've never seen Ty Lue as a good coach, in my opinion. Really? Like, why not? Because he had players. That's like the man had when he was with the Cavs. He had like stacked teams. Yeah. He didn't really do the man didn't really do much coaching. It was like LeBron James basically telling players what to do. Like I don't know. I can't speak completely on Tyloo's track record, but he's also not great at keeping like big egos in check. So like good luck with that, my friend. Here's wow. here's my problem. He was on the staff last year. Yeah. Ty Lu was Doc Rivers' right hand man. So, so here's what makes it funny, too, from an L.A. perspective. How many people thought when Frank Vogel was the coach and they brought in Jason Kidd as the assistant that Jason Kidd would be the coach in, like, a year's time? And it actually didn't happen. The Lakers won the title. They're going to keep uh, Vogel and most likely keep Kidd. And the other L.A. team got rid of their head coach and promoted their assistant coach when we thought the Lakers were going to do it. That's just so weird. Well, I mean... I feel like the Clippers in this case are like, oh, we need a new coach. We need to shake it up. So obviously, let's just bring in. Let's promote our guy. Ilu for some reason. Uh, Shane, I'll let you go in a minute, but I got to finish this point. <clears throat> what? Sure. What? <laughs> so, so th- there's. So remember, you know, in years past, we talked about the Clippers. Uh, we talk about them as a dysfunctional organization, right? And we thought, okay, finally they bring in Balmer. The dysfunction is kind of done. You know, now they got Kawhi and Paul George, which they gave up a lot for. They gave up eight, what, like seven, eight first round picks. They gave up the farm. They gave up the future for these two. And obviously it's a little bit weird. The fact that we're in a pandemic and we had to go in the bubble and we don't know how many games or when even next season is going to start. So that might kind of cloud the history on this a little bit, but my God, it, it like, it's a massive reaction to get rid of doc rivers. And if you really want to change, you get Mike D'Antoni, which wouldn't have even worked on this team. You just bring, you just basically bring in the same system that doc rivers has back. Cause Tyler is not going to change anything with this team in terms of structural stuff. But are they like, like Paul George even said, like from, from, from the players' perspective and like the players and coaches' perspective, they actually thought, "Hey, this is not a championship year." But the front office did clearly. So there's a miscommunication there already. And then there were reports that came out yesterday, I believe, from the Athletic, that Kawhi Leonard getting all this preferential treatment because, of course, he did. That's a huge reason why he went came there. And Paul George has gotten some preferential treatment there as well. It made players mad. Are we surprised that that happened? No, but that's the reality. Kawhi went to the Clippers partially because he was going to get those preferential treatments, but it made players in the organization pissed off. The Clippers are dysfunctional. 
They just are. They're a good team that's dysfunctional at this point. And, and look, if they don't win the title next year, Kawhi and Paul George are gone. They are maybe, gone. Maybe, maybe Kawhi will uh, mosey on back to the Raptors. Maybe. Like, seriously, Kawhi and Paul George, if they don't win next Man. year, they're gone, and the Clippers just wasted their future. Here, here would be a really funny hypothetical situation. Clippers lose next year. Kawhi says, I'm out. I'm going back to Toronto. Toronto wins. I don't think these and go I'm and I'm just like and I told you all along, Kawhi. I don't think I don't think he's going back to Toronto. Shane, I'll let you go. Uh, your thoughts on the Clippers as a whole right now, bringing in Tyloo? Yeah, I I'm about where you guys are with this. Uh, you know, if you well, there's a few things just absurd about this. For starters. If you think it's a structural issue with coaching, why would you bring in somebody from your team already? Your staff last who year. Is part of that problem. Like, no, you bring in an outside person to come in and. That's just one issue with this. The other part is they're assuming that there's some giant structural thing with the coaching or whatever that Doc Rivers was some – okay, no. I don't think he was the problem. But, oh, no, let's get rid of him. And and you know what we're going to do? We're going to fix it by promoting his assistant. It's like, no, that, that, nothing about that makes sense at all. I mean, does that sound as stupid as it does me saying it to you as it – you know, like – Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I did no, this like you said, if they don't if they don't win a title this year, which or next year, which I highly doubt they will. Um, yeah. Uh George and Leonard are definitely gone. Um you know, I mean I I don't know where they'll go, but I don't I don't see them staying there. Um Maybe if I don't know, maybe maybe Kawhi does go back to Toronto, especially if they get Giannis or something. Uh, you know, just <laughs> hypothetically, I think Brandon would lose his mind if that happened. I but. would have a fucking party, my dude. <laughs> I would buy would I fireworks. Invited? Yes, but Robert cool. wouldn't because he's a hater. The Raptors probably would be my number one team if that were to happen. But but Shane, your thoughts not only on that, but uh, the report that uh, Kawhi's preferential treatment kind of pissed off the players in the organization this year. Hey, oh, you mean in terms of him showing up late and yeah, being yeah, not playing that much, right? Um, you know it. That's a that's a tough situation, um, because you expect, you know, as a coach or an owner, or whatever, you know, you expect your players to all be there on time, and to you know participate, play hard, whatever. And so when you have a guy that doesn't do that, it's annoying, obviously. But when it's Kawhi Leonard, all of a sudden, oh, it's fine. He's Kawhi. He, you know, 
And it's like, okay, well, why is he, you know, getting this kind of treatment, right, when the rest of us wouldn't? Even Paul George got this treatment, too. Let's not forget that. Right, right. And it's, I don't know, it's it's tricky because, you know, you look at them and you're like, normally if a player did that, they would probably just be cut. But, I mean, you look at these guys and you're like, oh, well, you can't cut them, you know. So, I think there should have... They just should have taken more disciplinary action instead of just letting them get away with it. You know what I mean? Because um, that's kind of that's kind of weird in my opinion that they just were like, "Yeah, it's okay." Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was another player, yeah, I'd have been I'd have been pissed as well. I mean, that's mm-hmm. you know, be a teammate, show up, do your job. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so. yeah. So I have to give Ryan Rosillo credit from the Ringer about this because I think it was really well done when he said this, and this is kind of describes the Clippers perfectly uh, for 2020. It, it felt like the Clippers already won a title, how they were acting this year, where it was like, oh yeah, Kawhi's going to take games off. We don't know about Paul George and his injury, all this stuff. They acted like the Warriors acted towards the end of their run a little bit towards the, during the season. But the reason why the Warriors were, you know, at the end of their run with KD, you know, taking time off or whatever, or even LeBron taking time off with Cleveland after, you know, a few games here and there because they won titles already. They were proven. This team wasn't proven. Yeah. But they acted like they were, and that was a huge problem throughout the whole year too. Um, and let's go on to the Rockets. Daryl Morey has stepped down as the GM of the Houston Rockets. Brandon, is it time to trade James Harden? Is it time to blow this up or no? Well, I mean, they just built it. Like, you know, I feel like they just built it. You know. So um, no, you would you no. I would give this. I would give it I would give it one more year. Because I think you need to give Harden and Westbrook a year, another year. Um. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Shane, do you get, okay, let's say, let's say you don't trade Harden and Westbrook and you don't blow this up. You need a center here, don't you? Yeah. So, hmm. what are you asking? Like, 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 honestly, like, okay. So, so here's, so here's my, here's my number one candidate for this job. Uh, what is it? Uh, Jeff Van Gundy is my number one candidate. He's a Houston local. Uh, you know, ESPN guy, of course, he, he did the finals. I think he comes in here. Uh, I think his brother comes into New Orleans, but that we'll see what happens there. But let's say Van Gundy goes into Houston. Does he blow it up or does he say, OK, let's see if we can get a center here. We don't really have a lot of cap room, but let's see if we can get a center, maybe trade up in the draft. I don't know how that would work. I mean, I. I don't know what his perspective is on Houston, but if you're coaching Houston, what do you do right away? Like, how do you come in? What is your like first priority with this team? Hmm. Yeah, probably, probably getting a center because I mean, you look at, you know, Harden, Westbrook, we were worried about, or at least I was, I don't remember if you were, but, you know, uh, worried about how productive they would be together. 
and you know they proved that you know they they work well uh you know they they do really well offensively um they scored tons and tons of points they yeah i think it, especially if they can get it more of a defensive guy at center i think that would they would really benefit from that because that's kind of what they're lacking you know and so yeah i mean that's I think that's a that would help them a lot. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like Brennan said, give them just a little time to really let that connection meld and work out. And yeah, I think this could be a really competitive team, more so than they are already. But there's a difficult option at center, and there's one that seems maybe a little bit feasible, but it would still be hard. Of course, Joel Embiid would make sense. I, if you're going to keep Westbrook and Hard, you're not going to have the money to afford uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Joel Embiid. But maybe you can afford Miles Turner. Indiana might be looking to make a move, make a shift. I don't know how it works money-wise, but Miles Turner would make some sense. Maybe Houston comes in with interest with him. Uh, but Brandon, what, what's kind of your first priority as if you were the new Houston Rockets head coach? If I'm the Houston Rockets head coach, I'm looking for a third, like, I'm looking to make that duo a trio, you know? Mm -hmm. But how do you Um, do that with the cap situations that they have? uh, It's a good question. It's a very good question. It's Um, really hard. You're going to have to start taking some of your... See, and, like, the problem they have is... Like, they're not in a position to go all in, you know? Like, they're yeah. not in a position to, like, take young guys, package them, and trade them to get, like, a one-year guy. Yo, they have so, yo, they have older players off their bench. There's not right. really young guys here. Yeah. So, I don't, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Like, I really don't. I think their, their, cap, their cap situation is the problem. You come they're in kind here of, and you go, okay. Of, yeah, they're in a bad position. You're, you're kind of stuck. Honestly, like, yeah. yeah, you could maybe get Miles Turner, but if you're not going to throw in Westbrook and Harden, what can you throw in? <laughs> Do you want to throw in th- two to three f- first-round picks? And I don't even know how you make the money work. It's so, yeah, it's a, they're in a, just like, just like Philly, they're in a position where they're kind of stuck right now. And you just don't know what to do, and it's mostly just because of that cap room. Yeah, uh, you know, if they were in baseball, this wouldn't be a problem. But, uh... <laughs> God. Oh my God! Just throw money at the. Just get like a. Yeah, let's make teams uh, less competitive. Yes, yeah, just get a, get a leaf blower and just blow the money at them. Okay, Brandon, we have authority to get excited okay. because Connor McGregor, okay, is back. Yeah, but he wants he doesn't want to fight until he he wants to fight in um Dallas though. Yes, he does. January twenty third, that seems pretty official. But he wants to fight in Jerry World, ATT Stadium against Justin Poirier. So the date is official. We don't know about the arena yet. But ATT Stadium I think would be super fun. But your thoughts on this fight, Conor McGregor, Justin Poirier, and is this a good preparation fight for Manny Pacquiao? I don't 
see. What the fuck that has to do with Manny Pacquiao? Unless he's gonna like, unless he's not gonna take him to the, unless he's only gonna like stand and punch the whole fight, you know? Yeah. Like, I I mean, I don't know, man. I feel like him fighting Manny Pacquiao makes me think he's just an idiot now. Like, I don't take, I can't take him seriously as a UFC fighter. Like, I mean, at least he's fighting Poirier first, but he's kind of using it as a prep fight, yeah. which is, I mean, Poirier is a real deal, man. Like, I personally think Poirier is going to beat him. But There's a chance. I it, It's much harder than the Cowboy fight, though. Well, yeah, because Cowboy's old as fuck. Yeah. So for me, I for me, I think Connor wins, but uh, it's so even. Like this, this is the kind of Connor fight you want to see. Where he actually has a challenge, a real challenge. Yeah, we thought Cowboy would be that. It wasn't. But this looks like a fight that really anything can happen. And I think KTNT Stadium would be a perfect venue. Uh, Shane, your thoughts on on the hype if Conor McGregor and Justin Poirier fight in Jerry World? Um, if that does happen, what are your thoughts on 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 those two and, and the hype surrounding that? I mean, I imagine that will happen. Um, and yeah, that would be, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can only imagine because, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a big fight guy, but you know, I, so I can definitely tell when there's a big event like this, just by noticing all the hype around it in regular mainstream media. And it's definitely a fight like this where that would happen. So, yeah, it would be um, it, it, it would be big, to say the least. Um, you know, it's just always, I mean, part of the thing with Conor McGregor is that, that it's not even the fact that he's a good fighter, but it's just he's, he has such a, a big, you know, personality, and he's, you know, for better or worse, and so no matter what he does, if he's, you know, doing something in the fight world, he's going to be in the spotlight to some degree. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it should be, it, it should be fun. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a good way to start off 2021 uh, when that does become official, official um, potentially. So, and uh, that is it for today. We'll see you all back on Sunday. It looks like Connor is going to be joining us because Brandon and Connor are going up against each other in fantasy uh, this week. Brandon, you are desperately looking for a win this week, are you? Look, if I don't win, you know, I don't know what to say. <laughs> you're, you're, you've had a tough year so far. It's, this would be a, a good way to, to start off that comeback trail. I think, I think Brandon's coming back. I really do. I think there's a chance. We'll see. Uh, so Connor will be joining us for our Sunday post show. We will see you all then. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Brandon, for a great show as always. And we will see you back here on Sunday night. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Yes, please enjoy the weekend. It should be great.